0: We're so glad you're here. If you're visiting with us today, we're just honored that you're here. As you came in, you should have received a program. Uh, inside our program the a connection card. We'll just ask you to take a minute to fill that card out, and then you can drop it in one of our offering baskets or offering um, kiosks, and, um, or you can just give it to me afterwards. I'd love to meet you, and I get a free gift that we'd like to give you. Thank you for coming today. And, uh, and so today we're in a series, I started it last Sunday, called Difference Maker. And, and so we're going to continue that today. Last Sunday, we talked about a guy named Nehemiah and how God used him to make a difference. And uh, he wasn't something special. He wasn't, you know, a, a king. He, he wasn't a, 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 a priest. He was just a, a glorified butler, an ordinary man that God used to do something extraordinary. And, and that just gives hope for all of us because God can use all of us every one of us God can use to make a difference in the lives of people. And, and so today we're gonna to continue on this idea of Difference Maker. And I wanna I want talk about neighbors. Who's your neighbor? In fact, um, many of you grew up maybe watching a show um, on PBS, long running show, and, and, and there was this guy who would, who would enter into this little house in a cardigan sweater. You know, he, he, would, uh, he, he would take it off, he he take off his dress shoes and put on some sneakers, some slippers. You know, he would, he would do all that while singing this little song. Remember the song? You know, it's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. I'm not going to sing because I don't want to mess up Mr. Rogers' mojo, right? And we all know Mr. Rogers, right? Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And uh, one of the longest shows in, a, in the history of television. And uh, it just had an impact, I think, in a lot of our lives. You know, a lot of us watched Mr. Rogers and a popular show about being a neighbor. And he would sing that song, the beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Won't you be my neighbor? And and, and so as I think about neighbors, I think about some other famous TV people, some famous TV shows. I'm going to do a little pop quiz for you. Uh, you all with me? Pop quiz. Uh, I think right, I'm, I'm going to name a person. You'll see a picture of it, and I want you to tell me who their neighbor is. All right, the first one is Dennis the Menace. Mr. Wilson, that's right. All right and there he is, Mr. Wilson. <laughs> couldn't stand the kid, you know, but you know, somehow found a little bit of love in his heart, you know, for, you know, for little Dennis the Menace. Here's another one. Siri Seinfeld, all right, uh, this guy. What, what was his neighbor's name? Kramer. This guy right here, named Kramer, all uh, right. And Kramer never knocked. He just walked right in, he opened the refrigerator just like that, got what he wanted, never asked. He just, just helped himself. He was just, that I was Kramer for you. Here, here's another one, the Flintstones. Right. <coughs> and there you go, the, the Rubbles. There they are in, in a famous cartoon. I think that's my dad's, right? That's like his dad's favorite show, favorite cartoon growing up, and that was his, that was his, that was his thing every Saturday. Here's my, here's my favorite one. My favorite show is Tim, the Two-Man Taylor. <laughs> all right, all right. So you all know his neighbor, Wilson Wilson. That, I think that's, it. that's his first and last name, Wilson Wilson. Never saw his whole, entire face. You know, you always see the eyes, maybe a little bit the nose. You know, all these are famous TV neighbors. And it's not all that hard to tell who they are. But in our scripture today, we find a man, a lawyer, who had a hard time trying to figure out who his neighbor was. He couldn't figure this out. And so he goes to the master teacher, Jesus Christ, and he kind of wanted to put him on a test. You want to hear from him who is the neighbor that he needs to love. we pick up the Bible here in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. The Bible says, One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responded, he said, what did the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And so the man answered, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and, and mind. And, and then I'm um, to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, that's right. He said, now do this and, and you will live. And so the man wanted to justify his actions. Remember, he's putting Jesus on the test here, testing Jesus, trying to trip him up. He he wanted to ask, so he asked Jesus, he said, well, then who's my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And and the question of who's your neighbor was just a hot, was hotly debated during this time. You see, the law commanded the Israelites to, 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 to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so this lawyer wanted to know who was this neighbor that he's supposed to love? And who is a neighbor that you're not supposed to love? And, and, and the Jews, they, they typically interpreted neighbor, when they read the scripture, when they read the law, they, they interpreted the, the word neighbor as someone who was close. Or someone interpreted as a fellow Jew. And like the teacher of the law, the the, the, the scribe, um, the Jews had a tendency to reject anyone who weren't as religious as them. So if you weren't, you know, cut from the same cloth, then you were rejected. You weren't considered a neighbor. It had nothing to do with proximity. That's nothing to do if you were living next door. In our mind, we think about neighbor as a person next door. That's not what this is talk, talking about. And so this man wanted to have Jesus you know, draw a circle. He, he wanted Jesus to explain who was in the circle, who was out of the circle. And, and so Jesus, in, in, in his unique fashion, he, he, he tells a story. And we're going to see several things from this story about who our neighbor is. Now, before we get into that, before we see the rest of the story, let, let's talk about and let's work with the biblical definition of neighbor. What is a neighbor? Who is a neighbor? You know, for, for, for some of us, we probably think it's the person next door, which absolutely, absolutely could be your neighbor, for sure. That's the person that lives close by you. It's a close friend other believers, it could be the person or people that in the township, Shelby Township, or McComb Township, or, or, or Washington Township, wherever you might be. You know, those might encompass the idea of neighbor, but I want to push a little on that, and, and, and think a little bit larger than that. And I think what we're gonna see is a, a, is a connection to this new definition, and we'll see that connection here in our story that Jesus is going to tell in just a minute, but if you're taking notes, a definition of a neighbor is anyone whose need that you see and that you are in a position to meet. That's the essence of what a neighbor is. It's a person that you know, anyone that you, with a need that you see and that you are in that position to meet that need. And so with that definition in mind, I hope that helps you as we open up this story and we see how Jesus replied to the question, you know, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus said in verse number 30, He replied with a story, a parable. He said, A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, and they left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. Well, you think that'd be a good thing? He's the pastor. You know, it, it, this is the best-case scenario right here. A pastor is walking by, a priest is walking by the situation, and, and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road a passing him by. All right, well, that's not good. But verse number 32, a temple assistant, a Levite, this would be an, like an assistant pastor. This might be a deacon. You know, this might be a small group leader. All right, this is another good, you know, this is another good setup here. This is a good situation here. If anybody can help someone that's really hurting, can it be the priest or could it be this guy? And the Bible said a temple assistant walk over. He looked at him lying there, he sees him. He noticed the situation. He sees them almost dead. But he also passed by on the other side. That's disturbing, isn't it? It's disturbing. And and here's the reality. These two guys responded in many ways like a lot of us. They were just a little too busy. They had too much going on. Uh, so they said, hey, I, I really, really don't have time for this. I've got places to be, I've got people to see. My notification on my phone app is reminding me that I've got 10 minutes to get to a destination and I've got to go. I don't have the margin to spend to help somebody who is in need. And so they just kept on moving, minding their own business. And Jesus said in verse number three, he said, then a despised Samaritan came along. Now, why why in the world would Jesus use that description of a Samaritan, despised? Because if there's any group of people who would have watched somebody, would have walked past somebody who was bleeding, who was half dead, especially a Jewish person, it it would would have been a Samaritan. A Samaritan, that's the worst, this is the worst case scenario. If you're out there and and you're stuck in a bad spot between a rock and a hard place, and you're a Jewish person, and a Samaritan's walking by, good luck. Because they hated each other. They absolutely couldn't stand each other, the the Jews and the Samaritans. They were like oil and water. It was like a Michigan fan (laughs) and Ohio State (laughs) fan. that just couldn't stand each other. They avoided each other at all costs. And so Jesus said that this despised Samaritan came along. And I'm sure the people that's listening, they're just like, oh man, you know, I, I doubt this guy can do anything. I doubt. This person, this despised Samaritan. How can you imagine Jesus, you know, you know, had that look that this despised Samaritan came along? Everyone's like, yeah, he ain't doing anything. And then Jesus said that when he saw the man, he felt compassion. You can say that he found mercy that he had mercy on his man. And so the Bible says, Jesus said, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil, wine, bandaged him up, put the man on his own donkey. He got up, he put this man on his own donkey. And, 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 and he took him to an inn where they took care of him. The next day, he stopped by and saw the innkeeper, gave him two silver coins, and said, hey, listen, if, if, if this is not enough, just bill it to my account. I'll come back, and next time I see you, all pay up. Look at verse 36. Now, Jesus asked the question. He said, now, which of these three, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, which of those three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? And the man replied, "Well, the one, remember this is a Jewish man, he can't even say the word Samaritan. He despised the word Samaritan, he despised him so much. He said, well, he probably didn't even like the answer. They said, well, the one who showed mercy. The one who gave mercy. And then Jesus said, Yes. Now you go and do the same. You see, the good Samaritan in your story, he decided that he would be a difference maker and to show mercy to someone that God placed in his path. Now we we'll start the word verse 37, the word mercy. If you're taking notes, it means kindness. That's, that's the basic definition of mercy it means kindness. And when the Apostle Paul describes the, described the attributes of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he said that love is patient, that love is kind, kind, that love is kind. And so if you're taking notes, the word kindness, it's this idea of love with work clothes on, with a work outfits on. It's love, kindness, is love in action. This is the essence of becoming a difference maker. This is where the, the rubber meets the road. In First John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, it's a verse that could just stun you into silence. It's one of those truth bombs that the Apostle John just kind of dropped. It's one of those microphone drops, right? Those mic drop moments. All right, and right there' powerful words, and it can, it'll shake you up as well to really see the power behind this verse. John said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, if anyone has material possession." And you see a brother or sister in need. But you have no pity on them. In other words, you just don't care. How can the love of God be in that person? Pretty strong, right? Some tough words. He goes on to say this in verse 18. He said, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. God is calling us, He is calling the church to be the hope of the world, to take the resources that God has given us and and, and and to manage it and to steward it and to love our neighbors, those who are in need and that you, that you are in position to meet that need. So I think this is the question for today. And this is the, I, I want to talk about how do we show mercy, kindness? How do we show love in action? How do we have this love with work clothes on? Not just love in our mouths, but love with our hands. How can we do that? How can I show... Love to my neighbor, those who are in need. If we take a note, three thoughts here. Number one, we can show kindness by encouraging someone who is hurting. We can show kindness by encouraging someone who is hurting. Now, we use that word a lot. We use the word encourage. Hey, I want to encourage you. You know, we always want to encourage people. We encourage our kids. We want to encourage our friends. But a lot of us, oftentimes, we we say the word encourage, but what does that mean? What does the word encourage mean? The simplest definition of encourage means to give courage to someone, to inject or to place courage inside of someone else. In our story, this man who was attacked, who was left for dead, nothing steals a person's courage by facing a tough situation all by yourself. Have you ever been in a tough place where you feel all alone? And the courage and the confidence that you used to have just kind of drains out and you feel like just one dead end after the other. you know I'm talking about. We've all been there, right? We've all been there. And, and, and it's a tough place to be. And see, when your neighbors and my neighbors are, are facing difficult times, hard times, we have an awesome opportunity to come alongside of them and, and, and to inject courage on them. You know, one of the things I love about church here at Laypoint is we call this a service. You know, some churches, they might call it a mass. And the idea of a mass is we're just going to gather together. We call it a service. You know why? Because this is one of the best times to be able to serve one another with a word of encouragement. You know what I see in the hallways? I see people hugging each other, praying with each other. I see that happening throughout the room. I see that happening throughout the property. Because we're serving one another. We're injecting courage into other people. We hear someone that, man, I'm having a rough day. I had someone just say, hey, I'm, I've got surgery tomorrow. We're able to pray with that person right there. And, and she said, I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to be able to drive for two or three weeks. Because I'm, 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 I'm by myself. I said, you know what? I know someone that can help you. Where you live? She said, where you live? Said, I know someone that lives right by you. She's right over here. And I knew this person would say yes. I knew I didn't have to go ask her first. I just knew that she had that heart. Guess that's who she is. And so I kind of shoulder tapped her and said, hey, can, can you help her? And so I know her, yes. I would love to pick her up in the next few weeks. And, and, and she just started crying. She said, wow. I didn't think I was going to be able to go to church for three weeks. And I have a way. And, and, and so much encouragement was just instilled in that moment. And it was awesome to see. And see, this is a church service. We're to serve one another. The Bible gives us a great picture on how we can help people and the people that we can help. Encourage. Isaiah 35, verse 3 and 4. Strengthen or well, encourage the feeble hands, the study the knees that give that gives way, the, the weak knees, the weak knees. And then verse four, say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, Oh, your God will come, he will come with a vengeance, with divine retribution, he will come to save you we see three kinds of people who need encouragement in these verses. We see the feeble hands, we see the weak knees, and we see the fearful hearts. Let me break that down for you. The, the feeble hand is someone who is a physical, in physical pain. Physically exaltional. They, 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 they just can't get anywhere, they're just in a lot of pain. And encouraging them could be as simple as just coming alongside. And helping, giving them a helping hand. You know, it's more than just saying, hey, you know, you're doing a great job. It's more than that. It's, 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 it's to say, hey, let me, how can I help? What can I do to help you? What can I do to help you? Encouraging people with tired hands by coming alongside and, and helping them out. The weakness, the weakness, somebody who's emotionally weak, discouraged. Maybe depressed. Life is just pressing into them. Life is just squeezing the, the life out of them. I'm sure you know people that are going through rough times, low times in their lives. And, and, and so we can strengthen, we can encourage them by, by meeting them where they're at, by talking to them, listening to them. Take them out for coffee, take them out to lunch. And then just listen. Just listen. You don't have to try to fit them. They just need someone that they can vent to. Just listen. And then tell them, hey, I'm I am here for you. you can always call me. But the power of those words, the power of those few things. You could be a difference maker by just being there for him or for her. It's the fearful heart. That's somebody who's spiritually struggling. They're struggling spiritually, and your encouragement to them might just be able to come alongside of them and just pray. Pray with them. Remind them, hey, God knows what you're going through. Remind them that, hey, you're not through this alone. God is with you. God is in control. Remind him, hey, just keep calling on him. He will never leave you. He will never, never forsake you. He will help you through. And so let, let me ask you a question. How many of your friends, how many of your co-workers this week, how many of them are going to have tired hands? How many of them are going to have weak knees, fearful hearts? How many of them are going to be struggling and and, and you, you can be an encouragement. You can make a difference just by the power of of your words. Every day, I believe God places people in your path who need encouragement. So inject courage into their lives by a simple act, a word, a prayer. Open your eyes this week. Look for ways to encourage. Number two, here's the second way you can be a a difference maker and a good Samaritan is show kindness by giving when someone needs help. It's unfortunate in our story of the Good Samaritan that the priest and the temple assistant did not give when someone is barely making it alive. It's unfortunate. You know, and, and, and so we don't, we don't know what, what was going on. I don't know what, what was the, on the pastor's mind. I don't know what was on the pastor's, the Levite's mind. I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe they had places to go, but they were in too big of a hurry, too busy to stop and help. You now, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 21, it, it said this. It's a sin to despise. One neighbor. The word "despise" it means to belittle. It means to reject, to ridicule. It means to show hatred. And so, it's a sin to belittle. It's a sin to ridicule one neighbor, someone who's in need, someone who's hurting. Now, when we belittle others in, in spite of their situation. We are showing off an attitude that's sinful. So I want to challenge you with this thought if you're taking notes. We're, we're called to reach out. We're never called to reach down. We're called to reach out. We never reach down. We're reaching out. Why? Because we care. We never reach down because we're better than someone else. We're reaching out because what we're saying is just, hey, listen. I'm as broken as you are. I'm a struggler too. I'm poor too. I'm not the hero. I don't have all the answers. I'm reaching out because I simply love you. I'm here for you. Reaching out. We understand. Listen, we understand. We can't help every need. But we should never look down on the down and out. Notice the rest of verse 21. It's a sin to despise one neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind, love and action, kind to the needy, kind to those who are in need. That's your neighbor. It could be given food, it could be given money, it could be taking the time to point them in the right direction, encouraging words. Look at Proverbs chapter eleven, verse twenty-five. A generous person will prosper. Now, you know, let me just stop you. This verse does not operate like the world's economy. In the world's economy, if you give, you get, maybe you get something back in equal return if you're lucky. But in God's economy, he says that when we give, we always get back more than we gave. He always gives us back more in different ways, whatever that looks like, but we feel more blessed to give than to receive. That's a biblical principle. But then look at the rest of the verse. God says something very special here. He says, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. But what he's saying is that when you take care of others, I'm going to take care of you. And that, to me, is a powerful, powerful thought. By helping your neighbors, by helping the people in need around you, you're building up goodwill, and in turn, they look out for you. You might not be in need today, but I promise you, you will be in need someday. And if you have generated this, this uh, mindset of kindness to others, it will come back to you and bless you in your times of greater needs. I want to think about, think about giving for just a, moment, for a minute here. How can we give to others in these? practical things that we do here at Late Point. One of the things that we have here, we've been doing this for over 10 years. We've started a, um, a food pantry ministry. And, and God has just blessed us in so many ways to be able to feed people, to help people with food. And, and, and when we first started this, we didn't know where the food was coming and come from it. God just keeps showing up in different ways. Bless us with resources and supplies to help people. Last year, we fed total last year 153 families. That's a lot of people. That's a total of 584 people we were able to be a blessing to last year. This year, in the first quarter of this year, we'll help, we've helped so far 131 families. Almost. The same for the total of last year. Isn't it awesome? Uh, almost, you know, almost 500 people. Just 84 people short from last year's total. We've already helped 500 people this year. Got to do some incredible things there. Our food pantry ministry is in a separate building about two miles from here. You know, one of the other things thing that we do here at Lay Point, it's a way of us being, to do what we can to love on our neighbors, is uh, every Monday night we have what we call English, English classes or ESL classes. English is second language. And the uh, past two years, we've been able to be a blessing to those that are immigrants from different countries. And uh, every Monday night they come to our church and we're teaching them how to learn English so that they can uh, work out get their citizenship to help them you know, uh, further their education, and have, be able to uh, have a conversation at the marketplace that they're trying to get a job at, and um, and so and every week we share the gospel every Monday night. You know, we're helping them in a need that they need on a social level, but we'll also helping their spiritual needs as well. And and, and so, look, you know, these are things that you can step in and get involved, and, and so find ways to meet the needs of those who are in need, to those that need help. Number three, here's the the third thing, to show kindness by loving those that are different from you. Show kindness by loving those that are different. Different. Love them deeply from the heart. What God has called us to do, right? To love those who are different. You know, a couple of weeks, Pastor Chris mentioned about these greater things offering. Some of you will give, you know, in different ways. Some will give online. You can do that as well. Some of you will bring your bucket. We'll have a big giant bucket up here in a couple of weeks. And you can make a difference by what you give to help those. And the people that we're helping are very different than you. We're going to help families. That don't have children, that don't have parents, the foster kids. And we're we'll going to hear more about that ministry next week from Joe Savali and Love for a Child. Powerful ministry. And today, one of the mission gifts that we're given to is Peacemakers International. to a mission right in the heart of Detroit to reach people that are so different than us to love on them, to support them. I invite Jeremiah Upshur, he's the assistant pastor to be here today. The assistant pastor of peacemakers. I want you to just kind of meet him, hear his heart. Because part of what we give on May 7th will go toward what they're doing in the heart of Detroit, to reach people that are different from us. Jeremiah, why don't you come up here and let's give Jeremiah a nice warm late point welcome
1: thank you thank you pastor scott so i had said this in the first service and i I want to say it again Um, the feeling that i get about this ministry about this church and about this pastor is that you are all very genuine and that your pastor is very genuine Um, he's not just some guy up here that's plastic that's like giving some speech that he doesn't really mean we what you're saying and teaching, we can tell that it's coming from the heart, and we need to appreciate pastors like this and not, and not take them for granted. How often are we guilty of that? Anyway, very quickly, so my name's Jeremiah Upshur, my father founded a ministry in the inner city of Detroit back to the mid-90s. I was 16 years old at that time, and I've been there since day one, and I'm 44 years old now, so you know, time time goes by, amen. So this area in the inner city of Detroit is just one of them devastated areas, and by this time, like, just about everything's burnt down. You know, it's a few abandoned buildings left, and houses, and yet we've continued to stay proactive on reaching out to the homeless, going out there, pick up as many homeless as we can and bring them in. And so we've always had a focus on, um, one of the things we've focused on is coming into contact with many drug-addicted individuals, individuals struggling with alcoholism or homelessness, and, and not even just Detroit, but all over Macomb County and things of this nature. And so one of the front burner, I, I should say the front burner project that we have going on right now, and for us it's, it's a very big one, and it's like the, the big thing that we're just kind of promoting right now, is we want to build a brand new ministry home for hurting women uh, down there in the hood. So why are we looking to build a brand new home? Because there's not many houses left down there. Not at all, not in our neck of the woods. We do have a home for men called the Jesus House. The house is 100 years old. We kind of keep it together. And men come in and they receive discipleship training and they're in Bible studies every day and they're surrounded by godly mentors and people to speak into their lives. And we, it's a structured environment. We help to get them back up on their feet and send them forth. And of course, I'll, I'll add this in there, because I, I, I like to be honest about things, Amen. I've, I've, seen, I've seen many people be successfully rehabilitated and go forward as a disciple of Jesus. I've also seen a lot of people die premature deaths heroin overdoses, the fentanyl thing that some of you probably know about. I've, I've seen it all many, many times over. So there's a dire need. So back to the women and the concept for women. We want to build a safe haven for hurting, broken, abused, and addicted women that they would be able to come and find shelter uh, in the arms of Jesus and also in a, in a safe physical structure. I, I said this in the first service. So a lot, you know, when you're doing a lot of street ministry and all this, a lot of times what'll happen is that you'll you'll lead some to Christ. Like some will genuinely come to Christ. And it's kind of, you know, that he just went over that 1st John 3:17. How does the love of God dwell in us if we just say, "Okay, you said the sinner's prayer. We'll see you later." You know, just come, you know, come on in next week or next month, but but in these situations with a lot of the women we meet, uh, they might be prostitutes, okay, that don't have somewhere to stay, that maybe are living in an abandoned building or with some abusive man. So when this woman comes to Christ genuinely, it's best if you can then invite her and like, hey, we have this nice environment for ladies, will you re- 24-7 Christian care, shelter, uh, you you know, Bible studies and all that, it's it's definitely best to be able to walk alongside them in their their new walk with Christ, mentoring, discipling. So we're raising a bunch of money for this uh, big, beautiful uh, home. It's going to be able to house up to 16 women in need, along, of course, with rooms for for house leaders and all that. Uh, there, there will be uh, professional Christian counselors coming in and out of there. And uh, it's a big project, and we appreciate any help you can give. Thank you, uh, Lake Point Church. And uh, last thing I'll say is that there's, um, there's a lot more details about this project. If anybody's interested in reading a little more, hearing a little more on our website, peacemakersinternational.org, I just kind of threw a quick thing at ya, um, so you. So you can learn more there. Again, thank you very much. Thank you, Pastor Scott.
0: Jeremiah, I appreciate you, buddy. And uh, you're a difference maker, making a difference, right there in Detroit, you and your dad, and um, a good Samaritan, loving our people that are different. And uh, we get to be a part of that. In fact, there's a mission trip, more information in the program in August. And for a week, four, or five, five, or six days, I believe you can go down and serve right there. You can stay where they're living. You know, and they've got safe places for you to stay, and, but you can go down there and all that information to serve a week in loving and carrying out the gospel in Detroit. This is all about loving, loving action, kindness. Jesus said, You know, people will know that you're my disciple if you love one another. People don't know you're my disciple by your Bible knowledge, your your church attendance. He said, No, no, no. People will know that you are a disciple if you show love to one another. And so this week, a challenge for you open your eyes. Open your eyes. Who needs encouragement? Who needs, who needs something from you that you can meet that need? Who can you love that's different? Open your eyes. Listen, God is rooting for you. God said, listen, i put that person on your path so that you can do something about it. Don't turn a blind eye. Don't be like the priest or the Levite. Be a difference maker like the good Samaritan and love your neighbor. God, we ask you to help us today. Help us to love those that you give us in our path to show kindness, love, and action. Help us to reach out, not to reach down, but to reach out. Make a difference in someone's life we never know what the power of a word, a power of of a, a helping hand will do to someone's life. We may never know on this side of eternity what that does, but God, I pray that we listen to your Holy Spirit, open our eyes, and to meet the need of those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.